Bro, hey, what's up? Hey. It's been a while, man. Uh, yeah, it has been a while. How are you, Kobe? How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I mean, uh, if memory serves, you're from Belgium, right? Yeah. I mean, we haven't we haven't seen each other in uh, what 2012, right? That's when we did basic uh, training. I think so. I think so. Wow. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> that. Um, it's been such a you don't remember long me? Time. Oh man. <laughs> uh, no, 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 I do remember when we saw each other last time. That's, that's what I meant. It must have been but, then. Yeah, I guess so. Where where did you end up serving in the army? Uh, when or when? When or where? 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 Um. So my 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 army service was in Kfir. In uh, what's that? It's uh, it's anti unit, anti terror unit. Um, anti what? Anti terror unit. Uh, terror. It's, it's, yeah. That's what, oh what wow. We did. Three years. Uh, Wait, what, does that mean? Like, what does that mean in practice? Uh, it means that uh, we stop and we arrest terrorists on basically every night in their homes, and um, oh, wow. we're training for that for like a year and a half, and then or a bit less, and then um, we do that for like almost every night uh, for the wow. coming year and a half, and yeah. That people. What I mean, you were doing that almost every night. There is that almost much activity. Oh, yeah. Um, most of them Holy are bad people, but some of them are people who are on our side, and they are scared that they undercover went down, so mm-hmm. they want people to think that they are. On their side, right. So, I believe I can't talk, you know, more about whatever happens there. Um, so mostly bad people, mostly bad people. But that's, I mean, that's. Uh, I guess I should never be surprised, or shouldn't be surprised anymore. But I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear that that happened almost every day. That's, that's wild. Uh yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> there are many people, many bad people out there, and I mean, you can see today that uh, we did so much work. And still, yeah. um, whatever happens in in Janine in Ramallah, my service was in those places. I didn't serve in Gaza. I served for like yeah, maybe a month in Gaza. Um, yeah. And there are many bad people because you know we arrest them and then they get released afterwards, and then we get them, we put them back in, and then yeah. they get back in because that's how Israel works. Unfortunately. Do you, do you? Uh, I mean, when, when you go and you when you arrested these people in your in your um in your service, did you feel? Did you like have a sense that these guys were up to no good? Did you feel um, these guys? We never knew what they did, so we only got like a mission to take them down and put them in jail. Um, yeah. they didn't want us to know what they did because the less we know, the better. We just mm. take command and we just know that at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. that night, we're going in a specific house uh, with specific people, with different units, and putting them away. Um, we sometimes understood that they're more important people, and sometimes we understood that they did less of a crime. Mm. Uh, 
depends on what kind of house they lived in. Um, <laughs> and if they had, yeah, and if they had people guarding their houses or not. So we understood who we were right. taking down their the chashivut, the, the importance of yeah. their status, but we never knew what they did. So. So you so sometimes you had to go into houses that were had guards. How? Um. Yeah, I mean, guards that are guarding their houses or guards that are guarding their neighborhood. Um, I don't get too much into it, but um, oh, Jesus. But yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And when did you get out? When did your service finish? Um, I finished in two thousand and thirteen, uh, okay. February. Uh, it's like ten years ago. And okay. uh, me too. Yeah, it's, you, I mean, you started in two thousand ten, right? As well. I was with you, man. We were we were in the yeah. same basic school. We were in the same, but we you know we took different paths. But uh, yeah, it's almost eleven years ago, man. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, okay. So you got out. So you got out, and then um, did you have to do much uh, reserve duty, or? Um, uh, to be honest, they didn't call us much. Um, almost never. To be honest, they had. Yeah too many people doing it so basically we got out of it until they called us back three and a half months ago uh wow. telling us to we need you guys um and come south. that's what we Wait, do so we don't know where we're going and what on october doing. 7th i mean you're yeah, yeah so you got a ring so you're married you have how many kids i have two kids two babies two kids. Uh, okay. one who is almost two years old and one who is a year old this week. So two wow. girls. <laughs> nice, nice. And a wife, yeah. of course. Super important. And on October seventh. Yeah. So, so tell me about your October seventh. How was that for you? So I was in Tel Aviv for Simchatoa with uh friends and then we hear alarms and sirens and we don't really understand what's going on because who shoots at Simukatoa. It never happened before. Um, and then we, I go to the synagogue and try to ask what happened. So they told us it's a disaster. And, you know, I don't have to remember you want, remind you what happened in October 7th. So yeah. it was a really bad day. And I told my wife to open the phone because she went back home uh, to the place where we slept and told her to open the phone in case they called me. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't call me. Um, so it took a while uh, for them to call me and some other people. Um, so I was. But you had a sense. You had a sense of that they were going to call you. Yeah, because I saw that he called a bunch of people, and we understood that it's it's a war this time and not a mission. Yeah, it's a different kind of thing. Um, so I believed that they would call me. So I wanted to open the phone and I asked my commander if we would be called in and he said no uh not yet um and then days passed by and a few weeks passed by and then i get the call in two days you have to report to um Mahane, rather what it's called where we get all the stuff and come to saad and that's how my journey started in the middle did you so i mean what were you thinking and feeling all the all those days and weeks leading up to the call 
I was going crazy. Uh, I was going mad. Um, really? Because I wanted to be there. You know, I have a family and it's hard to... So I was told my wife and family that it's hard to be there. It's hard to be fighting there, but it's harder to be home and not doing anything. Yeah. And it's hard to be there missing the family. And I can't imagine what would happen if they would call me. Um, and missing my kids and wife and work and life. Um, but it's harder to be home. It's harder to be home and not being called while everyone and most of my friends are fighting. Um, so I wish they would call me earlier, and I'm happy that they did. Yeah. And uh, so I passed coming the past weeks from October 7th until the day they called me by watching the news and working and hopping on calls with clients. And my mind isn't working but my head is working and I need to work because I need to bring money and I need to sign those yeah. deals. And, uh, but my head is, is somewhere else, you know, it's, it's there. Yeah. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard for me. Uh, I guess for everyone who didn't get called in the beginning or for those who, um, sorry, my itching, um, for everyone, but for me specifically, it was very hard not to be called and, and seeing what I saw, what everyone saw in the news. Yeah, uh, it was hard. Did you? I mean, my, my experience. I think I had a lot of friends, guy friends, that shared that kind of guilt. That you know, there's all this chaos and catastrophe and death, and it's not that it's in our name, but it's it's it is in a sense there to protect us, and we're sitting there kind of helpless, and uh, we we have a this sort of this responsibility to do something about it but we don't know what you know i actually i actually i remember in the early days people from like jewish people from abroad who were you know they also sense the gravity of, of what happened and they're like we want to help but we just don't know how and there's just a lot like this this frantic energy of like let's donate or let's i don't know let, let's connect other people to other people and uh, i mean you had i mean you, you had um the frustrating thing for you was like you had a specific thing that you wanted to be doing right which is what I think most people would think was the only thing you could do, which is pick up a gun and go fight. And um, because that, that did, that did seem like the only way to contribute. I mean, I know that's not true, but that just, especially for guys that this was kind of it, but did you feel that like, cause you know, we've, we've had wars before, right? We've had like when we enlisted in 2012 and 2014, you know, then we had, well, the next one was 2021, right? Like, we, we've had a lot of these before. And never, certainly I never had this issue of like, oh, Christ, you know, what am I doing? How am I, how am I helping things here? But this time it was like, it, it was just so big and so horrible. It, it felt like very threatening. Plus also all the anti-Semitism that was going on in the world at the same time. That it was like, this is all this is all my people and I can't just abandon them. I can't just, you know, go back to normal life. And, you know, I, I don't know if you had the same feeling or, or if it was different for you. Um, it, it was different because I think it was different for everyone this time, because I remember in 2014 and uh, when I forgot the name of the war, of the, right. the so many of them. <laughs> yeah. So there was a tough money 
and I was like, it was, I was bummed they didn't call me back then. Um, but it was fine. But this time, it was more because of whatever they did to us. You know, they invaded the country. They, sorry my language, they raped our women. They killed, yeah. they slaughtered our babies. And, you know, as a dad, and, and even not as a dad, you know, but as a dad of a kid, you know, that there's fear that a baby, I don't even know if he's alive, but a baby who is my youngest daughter's age, I, yeah. I don't know what I would do if she would be kidnapped, you know, God forbid. Right. And what did they do to us, you know, and, and they, they, they mastered us, you know, they just mastered us for hours upon hours upon hours. They were in Israel doing whatever they wanted. And, you know, I went, like, when I went to Miloim, they took us for, to Faraza for, like, a few hours to, you know, see whatever they did. What was that it, like? It's unbelievable. It, it is, it, it's unbelievable. You know, it, it's like words can't describe. I, I got pictures, words can't describe. You know, you can't, no matter how much you talk about it, you can't explain what happened there. I mean, you see houses, you see holes in televisions, you see holes in the wall, you know? And you imagine there would be like a couple lying there in their bed and just someone came in and shot her in their bed. Um, you see an espresso machine with the cup still in, you know, ready for t- the coffee to be, you know, served in their mug. You see clothes in their washing machine. You see life that stopped, you know, yeah. at a certain moment stop. And I mean, nobody does that. No, nobody does. You know, even when Israel attacked, you know, to defend themselves, we always send letters and, and everything like Leave yeah. your house because we want to bomb your building because there's a terrorist, you know, shooting from within your, your building. But this brings back to, you know, 1940, you know, to the Holocaust, you know, like, like taking life from people who were just doing something before. And it's, it's just crazy. So sitting in my home and seeing everyone fighting for their lives. I mean, I see it as, at least I saw it in the beginning as a war for the existence of the country. Um, Because it is, you know, whatever happened is if we would not be, you know, sending them on time, they would continue to Tel Aviv and continue sending more and more people. And I don't know if we'll be be talking today. I mean, I don't believe we would get to the stage, but it is of the existence of the country. Thank God that Hezbollah and Hamas didn't attack in the same time because then it would be something else. But I, I'm saying that it was a different. It's a different kind of war this time, and it, it's the first time since maybe Kippur War or something like that, that that we're fighting for existence. Yeah, and it's us or them, and that's why I mean, so many people that were looking, you know, so I, until they called me, looking to like contribute and serve and, and do something. So until they called me, I did other stuff. I went to the matnas and I brought water and I brought clothes and I brought food. Yeah. And but still, you know, I'm like, you know, I've trained three years for this and I'm sitting in my home, you know? So yeah. I went nuts. I, I, I almost couldn't sleep, you know, because I wanted them to call me so badly. And whenever uh-huh. they call me, I feel like uh-huh. it's you want smoke for me, you know? It's like I'm going, where do you need me? Just tell me anything you need me to do and I'll do. Yeah. And yeah, but then it, then it hit me that I'm actually not going to see my kids, and actually I might not come, not even come back um, from this war. And it just stopped me, and and I almost cried, and I stopped myself, and I'm like, all right, we'll be fine. Um, 
whatever happens. I always, I also believe that everyone has a date, so no matter no matter what and when you'll have your end date, anyways, anytime. So if God wants me to come back alive, I'll come back alive and I'll do so. And I know I did what I could for the country. And think of I'm alive and well, back home. Yeah. Um, started to get phone calls of getting back to Miroyum, uh, which is is yeah. hard now. Yeah, like they're calling us back. Um, for like a few days, some of my friends are being called for like a month. Um, so so yeah, it's not over wow. at all. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, so just to to pick up on on what you said and. I think I think you said it great. Like, it's a it just became personal, right? I mean, you, you mentioned the fear of the baby that's in us, like, and you have a you have a kid more or less the same age, and the truth is that it, it could have been your kid because that was the whole point, right? The yeah. the face, the name doesn't matter. It's it's the background and it's the story that's going on. And you're like, oh, you're Jewish? Okay, fuck you. You know, you're coming with me. And I mean, again, as you said, when you when you were talking and describing Faza and bullet holes in the TV. I'm sitting in my home right now, and if someone came and just shot me up just for being a Jew, um, that—that's just—it's just a crazy invasion of my private space, the one that I would never ever expect, you know. But that—that's basically what was on the table. Like all of a sudden, Hamas un—not that they unmasked themselves because they were saying it all along. It's just the blinders came off for all of us. We're like, oh my god, they actually mean what they say, and 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 it's true. They will actually go out here and try to kill every Jew, not not just every Jew, right? But every Israeli, even because they killed Arabs too. You know, Arabs, Jews. You know, they killed, they kidnapped Arabs, and I mean, it doesn't matter to them. Every person living in in this country, I even saw this footage of Hamas of stopping an Arab guy in his car. I guess it was like an, a worker or something, or Jews. Yeah. I don't know what it was, and he said, um, "Like the Arab said, I'm not, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Jewish. I'm not Israeli." And then right. they said, "Yeah, but he worked for those, for those dogs, um, and they shot him, you know. And they don't differentiate between a Jew, an Arab, a Muslim, you know, Druze, Christian. If you live in Israel, you're dead to them. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is you know something the world doesn't understand or understands, but just is ignorant to actually comprehend that no matter you know." People, they don't care if we're left, right, Jewish, Christian, Muslim. They right. just don't care. And it's, uh, and I wish that a world would, uh, I, I'm sure they understand, you know, I'm sure they understand, but I, I wish the world would take it into their mind or just show that they understand it. And they don't understand what we're going through, you know, 70 years, you know. Do you? I mean, did you did you follow what people were saying in Belgium, where you're from, how it was covered? Uh, I mean, Belgium joined a uh, South African uh, whatever circus you can call it. Uh, so I guess it says enough, you know. <laughs> but they have a huge, a pretty substantial Muslim community in in Belgium, right? Yeah, very big yeah. one. Um, yeah. Back in the day of the. ISIS attacks, they all came from Belgium, from Brussels, from Molenbeek. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. Jesus. That's where the hub of ISIS at least was until... I believe that it still is. Um, but yeah, Molenbeek is like an hour away from my home. Yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah. And what, what's what what's the what's your family, your friends back there? How are they? How are uh, they after October seven? I mean, we live in a in a ghetto. Uh, I mean, my parents made Aliyah in August, right before okay. the war. They got a very wow. nice welcome. Welcome <laughs> to Israel. <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, but uh, but but even though I mean, I still have like uh, some cousins and stuff and, and friends who live in Belgium. And Antwerp is like a, it's like a ghetto, you know. You don't feel, you know, it. Only when you leave Antwerp, you go to the cinema and you still have your kippah or mm. or the Hebrew. Then you start hearing like dirty Jew. I did not hear anything in particular um, since the war started. I haven't asked to be honest uh, too much yeah. because we're dealing with our, you know, with our shit in Israel. So I don't really care what happens abroad. Um, but okay. from my understanding, it doesn't. It never changed. I mean, there was always people hating us, but nothing, you know, in particular happened since October seventh. I believe that there are pro- protests like any other country in Europe and abroad, but um, nothing crazy, I would say. But yeah, I mean, we live in a in a small community in Antwerp. We're surrounded by Jews and. Um, soldiers and police people, so they're safe uh, for now. And I'm happy my family made Aliyah, so I don't have anyone else from my family living in Belgium anymore. Yeah. I have a few cousins that are probably coming as well, and some friends, but I believe that they will leave as well. Yeah, um, but isn't that isn't that amazing? It's an amazing thing to say that you're happy that your parents live in a country that you know had thousands of rockets thrown, you know, launch its at its direction. And you're happy that they escaped the place, escaped. They moved away from the place that, you know, their their security is is what it's like. It's contingent on, on the, you know, on the help of of other people, right? Of the of the state or something like that. Like there, there's something to the magic of sovereignty and self defense. That there's just nothing else that can replace it, you know. And I think that that's also something very really hard for people who have a sort of a very critical eye towards Israel, that it's really hard for them to understand that, you know, where, wherever Jews go, we, 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 we tend to um, have this stuff follow us. And the only way for us to not only just to, to deal with it, but to avoid it in, in general is for ourselves to be armed and trained to be able to defend this kind of stuff against this stuff. I mean, I and, have yeah. a gun. So I have a, a gun at home, uh, which I have for almost a year already. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I live in Netanya. So, um, like, 20 minutes away, even less, we have Kalkilia, and you have different um, Arab cities next to us. And my parents-in-law live in Shiloh. So I drive them once in a while. And it's, it's you know, it's like the, if you remember the attack in Elite in the, in the gas station? few months ago uh anyway it's like five minutes away from them so it's okay. like it's important to be armed in israel it's important to for the right people to be armed um yeah. but happy going back to what you said i'm happy that my parents are in israel because abroad you're always um you're always how do you call it uh reliable on a foreign government and if they yeah. like jews They'll be for you. If they hate Jews, they'll just, you know, just just do like this whenever anything happens against the Jews. Right. And as well, so we have rockets. 
but we have an iron dome. But we have yeah. our army, and we have our government left or right. So we'll always protect its people, no matter you know their yeah. political views. Um, so Israel is definitely the safest place for Jews in the entire world. The safest okay. place, no matter. You know, so yeah, you can make more more money abroad, and yes, you can have different opportunities abroad. But you know what? We can depends on how much you spend. You can live very good in Israel with a decent, you know, even if it's much less than abroad, uh, your salary. But the yeah. safety that you have in Israel, no money can buy. Uh, yeah, you know, no money can buy the safety that you get in Israel. Um. Israel is the safest country for Jews in the entire world. And I say it blindly. And yes, this morning another soldier died. And probably for the coming days, more and more soldiers will die. And probably if Hezbollah will start a war, if we'll start a war with Hezbollah, probably many soldiers will die. Um, God forbid. But it still is the safest country for Jews. In yeah. the world, we are actually protecting ourselves. We're actually and, doing, and, you know, like we can't. for example, in, with you in Belgium, right? You're that has a large, so has a large Muslim uh, community there, and then within that has a, a substantial radical Islamic community as well. That if that problem continues to grow, you know, the, the, if they continue to mount uh, enough pressure on the government. And they continue to threaten the Jews there, for example. At some, like you are really at the mercy of the government having a stiff spine. Right? Like you could have a government says, you know what, this is too much trouble. Let's just let's just I don't know com compromise with people who are complete, you know, radicalized and violent and aggressive and hateful. And that's all it takes for the situation for the Jews to become unbearable and untenable. Whereas again, if the Jews are in control of their own security, that that there you know that there is no compromise with with that. I mean, you see right now, Gaza is being laid to ruins for what they did, or what sorry for what Hamas did, right? So there's there's a huge price to pay when you fuck with the Jews right? in Israel, whereas in in yeah. in other countries, you know who knows, right? But so, so tell me, I mean, when you you when you got when you got called up, you said you had to stop yourself from crying. And but you you know you felt that you this is what you wanted right and uh, did, how, like tell me what was your what was your mind like I mean did, were you full of hate were you full of rage were you like what what exactly how were you preparing your mind to go to go um, into war so I I didn't um I just didn't uh, I just went with it and packed my bag and uh, took a picture of my daughter. Uh, in case I don't have any uh, connection there. And I took a book with me, and I took a spare battery so I can talk to my wife anytime I want, uh, okay. if I have any connection there. And I just went. I, I, I just, Because I, I, I knew that in situations like this, if you think, you might or regret it, or have a harder time going. So I decided, I mean, it was going. So rather I'll be on, on D, you know, in the car you have parking, neutral and drive. And reverse, so I'll just be on, on D drive and just go there. Okay. And I was proud, but I was mostly proud. I was excited and proud. Wow. Uh, putting my, my 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 fears aside and putting the you know, like I could actually come back, you know, like like 
many soldiers have come back and and also i didn't know for how long i'm going they just told me you're going on when they called me on monday and they said me on wednesday so first of all they had they told me to come on tuesday i said i need a bit more time uh to, you know pack my stuff and you know finalize some stuff at work uh, and tell my customer that i won't be available for the coming time um so i need more than 24 hours also i need my wife to be you know kind of a, more relaxed and said okay i'm going now um i had a privilege of having another day so i did that and i was proud you know i was excited and proud that i'm finally called up um uh, i know many of my friends are still not being called up today um uh, not really sure mm. why maybe they're saving them for north uh i'm not sure why um, but, uh, I was excited and I was happy and I was scared and it was a mix of emotions. And, um, uh, but, but I just went on D and I just did anything I needed. And I just went through my bucket list, what I need to bring. And I had to get a uniform because I only had a shirt and I had no pants and I had no belt and I had to get, like, get finally some friends and stuff. And now I have like nine pairs of uniforms in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> that are like uh, that are mine, and I yeah, and uh, so I just yeah went with it and was happy and proud and spoke with my wife of course and calmed her down that it's you know what you need to do and she understood you know she understood uh, but uh, she had a very hard time and but she yeah. was a lion you know she was a uh, yeah she I was, mean. I mean, not only is her husband off the war, right, but even on the practical side, like you're raising two very small kids. If one of them wakes up in the middle of the night, that's all on her. Like she has no one to share that with. You know, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. tough. But you know, you do what exactly. you gotta do. So, so and how, how did you? I mean, you said you you were actually you were in Gaza, right? Mostly in the north, I think. Yeah. Uh, so in the beginning, I was. In the okay, in Saad, um, protecting. So our unit became was in the beginning we were uh, defensive, so guarding the whole border, Saad and okay, Gaza and Gaza and etc. etc. And then we got a mission. To, like what defending against what? Um, defending for any future Arabs coming in or trying to attack to do again what they did. Uh, because Israel was scared in the beginning that it was not a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for them, and they all tried to infiltrate again the borders. So many, mm. many of the of the units were in the beginning defensive, guarding the border until we make sure that the border is safe and well. And then, whenever we did that, the our unit became uh, changed from defensive to attack. Uh, okay. And then we started in Beit Hanun, which is up north of Gaza. Wait, um, how, how, did you, how did you cross into Gaza? So by so my unit, what we did, I'll just tell you a bit of my uh, what we did. My unit is so yeah. we are called Yechsam. Yechsam is Yechidat Siyu Aminalti. So what we do is uh, we protect convoys so getting into Gaza, bringing in different units, bringing in water, food supplies protecting mm -hmm. the convoy, staying there for a while, and coming back. Because when people go into Gaza, you can take food for 24 hours max and water. Mm. So we need always people to go in and out to bring in um, stuff. 
so that's what we did uh, for almost two months, um, different areas in Gaza. So half of the mission was bringing in stuff in and out, and other half of the mission is staying in Gaza in case we need to um, take out injured people. Um, so we were sitting okay. in houses, we were sitting in cars, etc. Et so how did we get in? By Hummers, by different big cars. Um, open, very scared, very scary because like very attackable. It's just there is one RPG that there is missing one RPG that we would be dead. So that was very scary to go in and out on a daily basis. Jesus. Uh, and they even showed us footage of one of those convoys who were attacked by an RPG. And the Why? Was... Because they were driving too slowly and they were driving in daytime. And Hamas has a hard time seeing in the dark. But they have an easy time seeing during the day. Uh, and so one of those things that we learned was not to do those things during the day. And if we have to come in during the day, we do it fast. Because whatever when when they shoot, they stand still and they wait for us to wait for you know for us to stand still for them to shoot. But if we're constantly driving back and forth and then when we're going off or going into houses, they'll have a hard time aiming at us. Um so thank God I wasn't one of those convoys who were attacked because it could have been me. Easily, and um, and the other part was sitting and waiting in Gaza for days, for a whole week, for a week sometimes until something happens, and then you have to take people out, injured people. Whoa! So so they showed you that footage to drill it into your heads that don't go in the day but if you if you're happy to go in the day go really fucking fast otherwise <laughs> yeah you're yeah. putting yourself at an extreme risk oh my god wow did and that uh, i mean did oh, jesus did that serve to sharpen your judgment I mean, did you have to do it during the day um it, it it we were scared to see we weren't happy to see but we were happy to learn from it you know we're not happy to see anyone die but we're happy to learn from it so it won't happen to us uh and they showed us different different for every few days they send us in the whatsapp group a video of what not to do because see what they did and cost their life um wow. yeah different things for example i was uh on the mag you know mag is like a big gun you know, for those yeah it's a, big, a very big gun um so i was a magist on the Akhsarit, which is like a big tank but that is an attack. I don't really know how to explain what an Akhzarit is. It's like a big car without the big rocket launcher from the tank. Okay. Uh, so I was there and I didn't have a joystick. So if I would want to shoot, is I would have to go up and show my head above and shoot. And then the one next to me told me, you know, that a week ago someone did that and got shot in his head. So just for me to understand when to do it and when not to take my head out and. Uh, oh my God. Yeah, so it, it's like you don't want to see those footages, but you're happy to see it so you know what not to do and when not to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and sometimes we were doing it, and then we told the driver, drive now, otherwise we're going to be shot at. And, yeah, thank God nothing. Yeah, I mean, in the, just in the... 
thank God nothing happened because I was at least in like 20 times where I could have been dead. So afterward, like with the Avada afterward, like knowing and seeing those videos, I was like, okay, I could have been here. I could have been there. I walked so many times on above trash. And then they showed us videos how Hamas are putting bombs under trash. And you don't see anything because it just looks paper. And or uh, once in the morning, they told us that they saw that Hamas came and put a bomb on a tank next to us. And they dismantled it on time. But just imagine it would go off and we would wake up and walk out of the Akhazarit and then, you know, the thing would explode on us. So, so oh many God. times we've been shot or exploded or dead. Um, and that's why I keep saying, thank God I'm alive because, you know, it's not, I don't take it for granted at all. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, did you ever have a, did, did you ever feel like you had a chance to relax or you were just constantly on alert? And um, You're constantly on alert. I mean, when I say constantly on alert, it's not like you're always like like this, you know, like we've got here. Uh, only when you're driving in and out, so you're with a gun to see that nothing happens. But you can't live 24 hours being on alert, you know. So sometimes you yeah. sleep and the one who is guarding is on alert. So... Most of the time we were on alert, but we were living our lives. They we're actually living our lives in Gaza. It's like you sit in a house and you cook food in the kitchen that, you know, a month ago or two months ago, there were like terrorists or whatever sitting here and, and cooking their own food or hostages being, you know, held in that house. And so it's crazy to say we lived our lives in Gaza. Um just, you know, sometimes relaxing and you sit on the couch and you can really be relaxed. You know, you sit on the couch with your vest on, your helmet on. You hear bombs and you hear our Air Force, you know, attacking and you hear our tanks attacking. So your body is in constant alert, even if you don't think so. And how do I mm. know it? Because afterwards, when I went, came out of it and I went back to my life, whenever I saw a cloud, a white cloud, I saw a gray cloud. My 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 mind showed me a gray cloud of bombs in Gaza. And it's just a white cloud. So that's how I know that my body now I see a cloud, I see a cloud, but now that's how I know that my body wasn't constant stress, even though if I didn't understand that it wasn't stress. Wait. I say that again. So now that you're out of out of Gaza, you see a cloud. You see a white cloud. No. Before... Yeah. Now I so I now I don't see any bombs in the air, or and I don't see any airplanes from the IDF when I see a regular plane. But the first week, me coming out with no yeah. bed and no uniform and nothing, yeah. when I saw like a bunch of clouds together, I my mind showed me a gray cloud. And I thought I'm going nuts. Like I see a white cloud. Why do I see a gray cloud? Because this is what I saw for two and a half months in Gaza, going in and out on a constant basis, living oh there for weeks. Um, and that's how I know that my body was in constant stress and living it, even though I slept, even though I ate, and even though I didn't think about. It. Um, wow! Wow! Did you? Um, so, did you have any any contact at all with the enemy? Did you have any? 
fights um, with them. They told us to shoot in, you know, it's called Mekomot uh, Hashudim, like different places. Uh, but you see next to you people shooting. So our mission was to shoot if needed. Uh, but our mission was to go in and out and bring stuff in or wait to bring people out. So, but I saw like 20 meters from me, soldiers shooting at Mekomot Hashudim. So it's like, even if I didn't see anyone, they saw it. And when they see it 20 meters away from you, you can imagine seeing it as well. Right. And so, and I mean, I can imagine the instinct is to be like, what are you shooting at, bro? <laughs> What's going on over yeah, there? Yeah, right? like you, you take a look and you're constant because it could, like, what they told us that Hamas likes to go to places where the IDF has cleared as just, been out of it and it just ruined and then they, they they shot against soldiers from those destroyed buildings so i'm like always in my mind okay this could be a place where they can shoot at me and this and we actually heard kalachnikov shooting at us we didn't see anything but we heard bullets above us we didn't see the bullets but we heard and you can clearly hear a difference between an m4 m16 slash tavo and a kalachnikov the just a different sound. Really? Like, what? What about it is different? It's a lighter sound. Uh, maybe because it's also not from ten meters away. Uh, but mm. it, you can hear that it's a different gun. It's a different. It's a different. I never shot a Kalashnikov, so I don't know how it is to shoot a Kalashnikov. But whenever a Kalashnikov is being shot, you can hear. Uh, maybe it's the way they load the gun. Maybe it's the way... I'm not sure, but we definitely heard and was definitely Kalach because afterwards we heard an M4 shooting or a 16 and it's a different bullet. I'm not even sure how to explain it, but it's different. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the fact that you could um, identify... But that So even even there's a lot of talk about friendly fire, you know, and, and soldiers being yeah. killed by that. Do you think that... Um, that that's also a way to differentiate between what each gun sounds like. In other words, you know, you, if you hear a Kalachnikov, no, 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 no. no. Uh, unfortunately, twenty more than twenty percent of the of the casualties are from friendly fire. Um, yeah, and the sound is the same. Uh, we got shot at my unit. Got shot at at from uh, a few times from the idea because. When you're in Gaza and there's so much going on and so much adrenaline and so much stress going on there, so you see something and a soldier that isn't focused and sleep last night, it shoots. And so thank God nobody died from our unit from from friendly fire, but we got shot at um, from our soldiers. Uh, tanks shot so close to us that doors flew in the air and windows fell down, and like the house just shaked, you know. And the air force sh- like bombed, and it was like really next to us, and everything like almost collapsed on us. But soldiers oh actually God. shot at the door where we were because they thought we were Hamas team. So we hear in the in the walkie-talkie, even in the Kesha, uh, that like stop shooting, friendly fire, and it's. It's crazy. It's it's like something you 
even though you know you played Modern Warfare on Xbox, you play different war games. <laughs> it's it looks like that, but it's real. You know, it's like like I remember they 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 brought us to like this strip that was totally ruined, and it's like I think two kilometers. You know, was very very uh, narrow, but so long. And you see, like, stores of, like, the supermarkets. Still, you have chips there, you know, Gaza chips and and food. And you see, like, this place that sells vitamins for hair. And you, you just imagine that people were there, like, a month ago, two months ago. And now it's totally ruined. And everything is ruined. And you see donkeys coming out of buildings. And you see, like, ducks. And it's, like, it, it's crazy to imagine. You can't imagine... It's not like anything else you've seen in life. Even though you can see so many war movies, so many you can play so many war games. It's it's hectic. It's it's like apocalypse. Apocalypse, like I would call it, like end of the world. When you're there, yeah. you see how the end of the world looks like. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I mean. It's, it's, it, uh, it does, I would imagine, yeah, I, I've never been in war, but it does show how much, how the world really is just organized by stories in our minds. Like, it, if, if the, the only thing that's keeping, you know, you and I and everyone else in, in Israel, any other civilized place from killing each other, are just, we have laws, we have rules, you know, we, we've sort of understood how things go. And then once all that goes to hell, Mm-hmm. Then, then you, I guess you just have what you see, what you saw in Gaza. But wait, so because uh, yeah, I, I've never lived through this, but you had you had tanks shoot close to where you, yeah, <laughs> like right, not at us because if they would shoot at us, I would not be here to tell that. <laughs> but shooting next to us, and and it's like you see the fire coming out, and sometimes they don't even warn you that they're going to shoot. You so, saw the you, wait, you saw the shell. I fired. see the thing coming out. You see the fire coming out from like Gaza is very, very like like very like it's a poof, you know, uh, yeah. very like like overpopulated. Uh, mm-hmm. But there are many open fields, I would say. But where we were, it was so concentrated that that tanks were uh, seven meters away from me, shooting. And just imagine this huge, uh, this huge car shooting. And you see the fire coming out, and then you see the amount of smoke uh, coming out of the house that it attacked. And when it's like so close to you, everything shakes. Uh, we were sleeping in a house um, where we were. There was a, pa- a part of the soldiers that are taking away soldiers if they're injured. Uh, mm. so we were sleeping, and one is, is is guarding. So I remember like waking up at two a.m. at by having the window next to it flew away from the, from the building. And everyone's like, what happened? You know, it's like, did they attack the building? Because it feels like they're attacking your building when they're shooting so close to your building. Wow. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, I've, I've, yeah. done, I've done so many arrests in my, in my army, but, and I've seen so many Palestinian villages, but when I thought I saw everything, I didn't see anything, you know? <laughs> Seeing a war, in first hand, and not like what you see on the news, because when you see on the news, it's like afterwards, you know. But when you see, when you're like with a unit that, like, we, our last village was Khir was the, the, the village where 
Hamas went out of this village to attack Niroz. So, and, and then they brought the hostages back to this to this Arab place that we've been. So, yeah. so we had this thing to to conquer this village, and it, it was just it, it was it was crazy to to see tanks like two meters away from you and shooting and like and having it in first hand and seeing planes just right above you and shooting and you see thousands of soldiers running together and, and, and doing it. it's crazy it's nothing you can even imagine and I wish nobody would see it I no, wish nobody would have to see it because war isn't fun and until today I, I see it in my in my when I sleep um, so it's not fun really? yeah unfortunately um, but it's 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 not fun and nobody should see war and just thinking of the potential that Gaza has of building it into the Singapore of the Middle East, it's crazy. It's and just thinking of, of where does the money go, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So it's sad oh, yeah. and it's crazy and it's yeah. It's, it's 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 just you can't even if I try to explain it, until you're not there. And I'm not saying it to, you know, as arrogant. I'm just saying it if you don't see it in your own eyes. You won't understand what's going on there. You have to see it in your own eyes, um, see what's going on there, you know, to actually understand and comprehend. What, what is that exactly? Because that's, you know, that's obviously that's a common theme that goes back thousands of years, that people who experience war, A, they have trouble coming back into organized societies because it's just, it's just such a unique experience, or they feel like it's a unique experience, even though it's been going on forever. But what is it about what you saw that you feel like can't be expressed in words, only has to be experienced, you know, by, by experiencing yourself firsthand? What, what um, is it that you can't really I explain? Think, I think it's a few things, but what, when, what pops up in my mind when I, when I think about it is everything is broken. Everything is ruined. Everything, you, you know, you've seen Europe in 1945. Where you see ruins, you know, everything is ruined. And I always yeah. ask myself, I wonder how it was to be in Europe of 1945. You know, I want to be like a bug on the wall, just see everything. And now I see it, you know. So whatever I wish to see, and just as a joke, to see what happened after everything was done in, in, in Europe. And, and now I see it. It's the exact same pictures, just 1945, 20, mm. And 2024, and so this is you know, like like we live in 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 a normal city where everything is built, where you know we live our lives. But you spend your days also thinking of you can die, but you don't think about it actually because you can't live your life of thinking that you can die every moment. Mm -hmm. But seeing everything ruined and everything broken, and seeing donkeys coming out, and seeing you know cats coming out, and dogs dogs from, from Gaza. And and this is, is something you can't explain. I mean, ask someone that survived the war to explain what he saw afterward. You can't explain. No matter how much you'll try to talk about it, how much I'm not talking about the gas I'm talking about the war itself, you know, the the destroyed villages and everything being rebuilt. I think this is what shocked me the most. Um yeah. everything was broken and ruined and and thinking what could have been here if Hamas wouldn't 
lead Gaza. So I think so, it's a mix so of emotions. I feel like it, if if I you know when I let my imagination run loose and think about what what's the what's the real like the the question here, the core of the issue, and you know you you, you mentioned on the one hand everything is destroyed, and then on the other hand like it could have been. It could have been Singapore. It could, it could have been this wonderful place. And I, I had spoken to another soldier who just came out of uh, reserve duty. And he said that uh, they had the best beaches there. And even even some of the buildings that they were in, some of the neighborhoods were, you know, pretty decent, in decent shape. Like it, Gaza, he said that some areas are really nice, you know. Um, and, uh, and, and the very fact that you, you get to see at war, humanity stripped down to its essence, right? It's like once you do away with civilization, here's what you get. I I wonder sometimes if what is so hard to put your finger on about war is like there's something almost religious about it, where it's like this is these are the consequences of good and evil, right? Like when you're back in the real world, you've got more or less good people running the show there, but when it's evil, right, and, and people are driven by hatred, these are the consequences, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Hitler was the same thing, right? Like, Europe was in rubble, essentially, after the, after he was done with his life's work. And, uh, and, and it's just, a, it's just a, it's a pattern that continues to repeat itself. And the travesty is, of course, that people buy into it, right? Like, even right now, with, with um, all the destruction that's come about from Hamas on October 7th. They're really popular in the West Bank and they're, I don't know how popular they are in Gaza, but you know, who knows, how can you really conduct a poll in, in, a, in a place that's been leveled? But there's something, there's something about that hate, you know, the hate really that is so self-destructive, right? And, 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 and so blindingly obvious, right, that this just continues to happen. And it's not a useful strategy on the individual level. Right? If, like, for example, when I asked you what, what you were feeling on, on when you were heading towards war, and I said, Did you, were you full of hate? Like, how do, you, how do you prepare your mind for that stuff? And you said, no, like, you just, I'm on drive, I'm on D, I'm going, I'm doing my thing, I'm proud. Even you said, like, even that is an expression of love, right? It's like, this is my family, I'm protecting my people and all that. It that that that's that's the difference in my mind um that makes all the difference it's not about politics it's not about it's not about anything it's really just about your orientation towards the world and towards life do you celebrate it or do you hate it because uh -huh. um because because if you hate other people it's usually almost always a, a projection of what you feel towards yourself and if you scale that up to enough people you know, you, you don't be surprised when everything, when the donkeys and the dogs are walking around and everything is in rubble, you know. We could easily um, live side by side and yeah. Israel is never attacking uh, on its own. We only attack when our existence is in danger. And it, it's so sad, yeah. It's like, why can't the world you know, live side by side? Nobody's attacking anyone. Um, and it's sad, and I wish that the world would be different, but unfortunately, it isn't. But there's a, you know, if I'm if I'm trying to put myself in a support of Hamas, like in their shoes, it's much easier. Much much easier. In the end, it's it's 
way worse, but and and history bears this out. But it's in your mind, it's easier to destroy, to criticize, to say, "Oh, that they're evil, right?" Those those Israelis, rather than to work on yourself and say, "Okay, everything we've tried thus far has been a catastrophe, and our situation continues to deteriorate. We we lose more land." We lose more support from you know the Arab world and and the world in general. People are sick and tired of us. Perhaps we should start looking at ourselves and thinking, you know, there's quite a lot of corruption in our society. You know, this we're, we're wasting a lot of um, talent. I think think about these tunnels, for example. I, it never ceases to amaze me that the knowledge and the work that they put into it could have been. You know, like for example, Elon Musk has the boring company where they bore big holes in the ground, and I think the idea there is to alleviate traffic. My God, you know, <laughs> if you had just put you know the, that labor and that um, that planning under his control, say, or someone like that, the Palestinian version, you you would get your Singapore, no doubt yeah. about it. But instead, it's just it's a war machine, and it and it just it's so destructive. And it has such destructive consequences. And the and the worst part about it is, is again, it it's so bad for the Palestinians, right? The Israelis are, you know, more or less fine, right? Yeah. You come back to Israel and you see that things are more or less back to normal. There, it's really, really not. You know, like from what they say, it's what on the verge of famine. I'm, I don't know how how reliable those those reports are. Did did you have any contact at all with the civilian population in Gaza? No, we haven't seen any anything. No. Um, but adding to what you said before, um, we saw educational books. We found educational because we um, conquered schools that you know were shooting at us and everything. So what we were in those books? So hate against Jews, you know, hate against soldiers and how to hold a gun. I saw it my, I saw it in my own eyes, and like like how to hold a gun, how to hate Israel, how to kill Jew, and this is what they teach their kids, you know. And it's like telling the Nazis, all right, just, just, you know what, you want a world, but, you know, don't hate the Jews. No, it's like in their blood, in their DNA. So it's in their DNA to kill and destroy every Jew, every Israeli living here. And they won't stop until they did it. And that's why you can't talk to them. You can negotiate with them. You can't do anything with them because it's within their DNA. And you saw what happened whenever they saw small you know, whenever they did a small hole in the wall uh, and in the fence and they did what they did to us. And if they could have done it to each and every Israel, they would do it um, because it's it's within their DNA. And that's, and that's why they have to be eliminated from the world and not like negotiated and talked with them because it'll happen again. Like, no, no like it'll happen again, you know. Uh, and that's why uh, they have to be eliminated and be destroyed and be just get rid of them and put someone else there, you know, and put someone that you can actually work with and talk with and negotiate with and maybe live side by side because uh, there's really no other option. Yeah. And also, I mean, think about it. If, if, if Israelis had leadership that brought this level of destruction into their homes or any, any people, right? Americans, Belgians, who cares? 
there, there's just no way that they would rise in popularity. <laughs> what are you people doing? You guys are so irresponsible and reckless and horrible. What? Go away. You know, but no, these guys get rewarded. It makes no sense. It makes yeah. no sense. Yeah. Other than, other than there's this self-destructive, self-destructive hatred that needs to be fueled. And there's only one, one, History has shown again and again that the only people that suffer are the ones who are, who fill their hearts with this kind of crap. But wait, when you saw those, what what exactly did you see in in those textbooks? I mean, did did you do you it's read Arabic? Arabic? No, it's in Arabic, so I don't really understand what I was reading. But I saw pictures, you know. Uh, I saw pictures, and pictures are worth more than a thousand words, as they say. Um, yeah. And you see, like holding guns and. Sh- you know, aiming at someone that is dressed up like an Israeli soldier, um, so you would understand that it's some some of us knew Arabic, so they explained what they saw okay. for the words or something like that. But it's it's like hated hatred against Israel, hatred against Jews, uh, and kill the Jews. And this is what they're you know what they're what they're what they're you know grown up to. And I don't buy that they're like oh Hamas should be eliminated or whatever as I saw uh, an Instagram post of Itan Reichel that said that uh, did you see it uh, that yeah. from Gaza he doesn't believe that they're innocent Gazan Gaza, people because nobody actually stands up against Hamas and you know it could cause them casualties and stuff but nobody of them goes up and stands up against Hamas and, and, and gets them away and gets back. Because it will stop when the hostages are back. It will stop. The whole situation are, is done when we get the 130-something hostages back to Israel and Hamas is gone. So it, it's super simple. It will cost lives, but it's easy. It's, it's not like, okay, we don't know what to do. We know what to do, but it'll take time because we want to get the mission done. We're going to get back the hostages and, and eliminate Hamas. So until people in Gaza won't stand up against Hamas publicly, even though they know that some of them will be, will get shot, but until they won't show the world that they're actually against Hamas and they actually want the hostage to be back home, it doesn't exist innocent people in Gaza. Because if it will happen in Israel, people in Israel would say, stop what you're doing, it's not fine, get them back or whatever. Yeah, and it doesn't. I do believe that there are some innocent people, but nobody of them are standing up and says, "Stop what you're doing, bring back the hostages." So until this doesn't happen, so there is no end to this whole situation, and people in Gaza are just yeah. as as terrorists. Yeah, and you know what's what's. What's crazy about the whole thing is that, look, they're, they're human beings, right? So the, the dumbest thing that anyone can do is to think that they're somehow, you know, I, what pissed me off in the beginning, among the many things that pissed me off was, um, you know, people referring to Hamas or even or just people in Gaza as uh, animals or you know, things like this. It's like, no, 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 no. These are, these are people just like me and you. And, and um, what makes you think that if you were in there in any of their shoes that you wouldn't have acted differently? It's very rare to find. In fact, it's it's impossible at the moment to find a person who stands up to Hamas and says enough of you guys. It doesn't exist. 
And so I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a reflection of um, their cowardice more than just how rare that, that kind of person is. Um, I mean, which, which in other words, is like, if you and I were in, in over there, most likely we would be part of the system, not, not, uh, not against it, but it's, it's, um, it's just, it's just how strong that system is. You know, it, it pervades every aspect of society. It's, uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's... You know, and, and innocent, I don't know. I don't know what that means. You know, how, how do you. I'll give an example. I'll give an example. Yeah. Let's see um, the situation in Libya back mm -hmm. in the Arab Spring 2011, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were sick and tired of their government and they wanted to get him away. And they did what they did. And yes, many of, I think many of them died because they were shot at by this. It happened in Libya. It happened in Tunisia, I think. It happened in different Arab things. So I, you know, it, it's hard because the society in Gaza is so depressed by Hamas and stuff. But at the end of the day, if they really would want to, and that's what I think, you know, I, we can disagree, but whenever, if they would want to actually rise and, and put an end, they would do it. You know, they would come and massively and just bring everyone and stop because so many other lives will be taken away, innocent lives. And, you know, I'm pretty sure they wanted to get back their lives and, and not sleep in tents anymore in a fiach and go back to their home. And there is just rise up and just just show your vote and just finish like your brothers in Lebanon in 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 Libya and Tunisia and all those other uh uh Arab countries what they did and and you know I believe and this you know we can disagree but I believe that if this would happen then the end of the war would be much faster because Absolutely. it still doesn't it, it will take months I just read this morning that Hamas is far away from being destroyed and it will take mm. months for us to finish the, the thing. And nobody wants to continue fighting for months. Not soldiers, Israeli soldiers, not civilians in Gaza. Nobody wants this life. People want to go back to their lives and back to their families. And it has to happen, you know. And I believe, honestly, it'll happen sooner or later that they will rise up and speak against, I just wish it will be ha will happen before um, more people will die because it's sad to see people die from both sides. You know, it's sad. You know, we're human being. You know, and and but you know, we didn't ask for this war. Nobody asked for this war from the side from Israel. We're doing this because we don't we don't want seventh of October to happen again in right. a few years. And I wish someone would do it, and I wish this war would yeah. be over. I come I come back to the fundamental point of it because like, take another historical example of Iraq and Saddam Hussein. That guy was a he was a psychopath and he employed very similar tactics to what uh, Hamas had done to its its uh, population and he was overthrown, which should have been a wonderful thing. In fact it was a wonderful thing, but then what came in its place was just more chaos. Because still you have that underlying resentment towards the West or, you know, whatever uh, horrible ideas are 
uh, are being thrown around. So e- even though there were plenty of Iraqis who said, thank God this maniac is gone and he's, he's not in control of our lives anymore, you had other maniacs come in and, and produce way more chaos than before. And so there's always that danger, even with 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 Gaza or just the Palestinians in general, that if you if you take the lid off um, you know, that society, that more chaos won't come in. But I do agree with you that, uh, that at the end of the day, the most, the, the surest way to end this war is for one, ten, a hundred people to rise up within their society and say, you know, enough, enough of this, you know, enough destruction, enough envy, enough hate. Let's let's build. Let's take what we have. Let's be grateful for it, and then let's move forward and try to build wonderful lives for everyone that's that's in our community. Yep. And that's the most. I mean, it, it's it's built out of self-respect, right? It's like, no, no, no. We have one life. You know, we have children who we, we love and we are going to do everything in our power to make to make the best of, of what we got, right? And and not focus all of our energies on, you know, trying to dehumanize Israelis, right? Or Jews or whoever it may be. Such a waste of life. Such a waste. Um do you, I mean, do you, what do you do at home? Do you, do you, how do you teach your kids? Because this is, you know, um, I, mean, I know you're three and one, but. They're young. They're still young. Uh, but uh, I guess, I mean, we overlove them. <laughs> That's like how <laughs> we, we. Uh, but I mean, I mean my... as it regards to this, this thing, what, you know, your three-year-old is too young, but do you ever, do you, do you and your wife talk about what you want to t- teach your kids about? I don't know. I, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think there. I think we're uh we're, we're now uh, training our kid to sleep in her own bed in her you know not in her. <laughs> I think this is what we're uh focusing our efforts on for her not to come to her bed at night. Um, <laughs> it works pretty well. So I guess when we'll pass this, I guess we'll be uh free to talk about other things. Uh, but she doesn't see the news. I mean, if there would be, thank God, Netanya is out of. The rockets. I mean, no alarm would yeah. were you know uh, launched in in Netanya. So I don't yeah. have to explain her what an alarm is and why we are running to the shelter. So thank God I'm not there. But I think uh, I think I think I would just 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 kind of play a game or something. Not I, the last thing I wanted to be is for her to be stressed or to understand because it'll happen when she'll grow up. We'll have different different kind of situations here in Israel where she'll have to learn. Uh, and we'll have to teach her. I don't know how we will do it because we're not there yet, as I said. Um, I guess we'll have to think about it in a few months or yeah. a few years. Yeah. No, I had to tell. I had to tell my two old. So I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a and a two-year-old. Oh wow! And uh, all boys, by the way. So my wife is uh, nervous about the future and sending our kids to the army and all that. Um, but yeah, we had to. I had to tell them that we're at war. Uh, the five-year-old kind of, I don't know, took it in stride. He actually thinks that the the uh, what do you call it the um, the alarms for incoming rockets. He says he thinks it's kind of fun. So <laughs> it's like a little game that he has to like run into the safe room and stuff. But yeah. the the seven-year-old, you know, at some point he um. It's kind of heartbreaking, but he he's good at math. He likes math, and uh, and he asked me like, "What? When do you go into the army? At what age?" 
and uh, I said 18. And uh, then he started doing the calculation how much time he has left until he has to be become a soldier. You know, and that's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. Um, is that good? Is that healthy? Is that, is that uh, robbing my child of his innocence before it would, it's necessary? I, I don't know. I don't know. The, I, there's too many thoughts there. Because on the one hand, uh, if you keep your kids sheltered and in a bubble, when the world smacks them in the face, it's it's going to take them a while to understand that that the world is unfair and chaotic and doesn't always go the way you want and yeah. sometimes you just have to do really tar- you know, hard and, and 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 tough things to get somewhere to protect what's good but on the other hand um you know <laughs> he's seven and i just i wish he could just play soccer all day long or whatever the hell he wants to do or dream but about so- it goes back to what I said in the beginning as well as a safe place for Jews. Even even if we have to go to the army, at least we have our army protecting us. Yeah. Because, um, yeah. I still think, and even though there will be rockets every day, if there will be rockets, I would still say that Israel is the safest country because we are the the difference between Israel and the and the, the world. We are our own masters of our own future. You know. Yeah. All abroad, we're dependent on on others um so this is why i would never go live back in another country and why i would stay here worst case you know relocate for a year or two to make some money and then come back uh that's worst case um but living in israel is and megalia is one of the best decisions i've made and i'm happy that my parents followed me and my wife is also uh came from abroad so we're like a family of of immigrants i would call it yeah All right, man. Well, let's 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 leave it on that on that positive note, um, yeah. because uh, you're right. You know, you're really right, and um, you're right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> <Yeah>. brother. <laughs> well, good talking to you, man. You too, Kobe. It was nice seeing you again, and uh, it was yeah. so many years ago. I, I totally forgot where and when. So my excuses. Uh, but it was good to seeing you again, and I hope we can chat again in the future. And, Sounds uh, good, brother. And and and, uh, and of course, I, I I would be remiss. Thank you, thank you for for your sacrifices, man. That's it's no small thing. So, yeah, I yeah. mean, one last one last thing about that. I like so many people say thank you, and I say it was my duty. You know, it was what I had to do. So I thank you for thinking, but I don't really know how to respond to someone who says thank you for something I had to do. Um, so it's like when my daughter says thank you for giving me a cup, I'm like. It's what I do, uh, but anyways, thank you for. Uh, it's also th- something I'm thinking about how to respond to someone who says thank you for army service. Uh, and it's like you don't. Have, I have to thank you for contributing to the, the you know, the economy and for living here while I'm doing it. So, I think it's a thank you, thank you, both both parties thank each other for <laughs> living life and continuing our lives like nothing happened. And for me, I mean, doing what I did. So uh, I think it's a perfect response. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Uh, Kobe, <laughs> thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. And um, have a good week. See you, man. See you. Bye-bye.